scary girl. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. I didn't say anything about Leslie. Wait, what? Sometimes I'm like, you know, hey, Leslie. But we do that later. We do that later now. I'm high. And I try to (laughs) work it in. Well, what else is new? What is it? Tuesday? (laughs) Duh. Y'all, our country's on fire. Everything is going downhill, so thank God we still got this podcast. Yeah, some of you just started one. Losers. Um, I was thinking earlier, I was like, what do I want to talk about? And I was like, I literally could just talk about everything that's going on in the world because that's scary, girl. We literally could. I thought about that, too. I was like, how am I supposed to talk about anything else? (laughs) Without being like, this really sucks, but everything that's going on right now today is bad too well that's where i feel like with so for everyone listening out there the rona got my job y'all it did. and it came uh, for her job. the it rona came for, came for my job spot. that was and, her job uh like they said on south park it took my job so the rona came covid wiped out my job i ain't got a job other than this podcast but even with that being like that really sucks then I look at everything else going out on in the world, and I'm like, I really have no right to be sad about not having a job. Like, it could be so much worse. I mean, you weird. have a right to be sad about not having a job. It's I know, okay. But it, you know that guilt feeling. But, but yes. Like, and I'm white, so I'm just I like, know. I know. I feel bad. Right? So you got it pretty good right now. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> I was like, I don't have a job, but I'm white, so I feel real bad. Right. Because I just naturally you're the, have it Because okay. you're the good kind of white person who feels bad. Who feels guilty. And, and not the bad kind of white person who's like, you know, y'all don't know what you're talking about. Everything's great. Trump. If you keep looting, you're part of the problem. Oh, my and God. No, white person, you're you're the problem. See, Sarah's not one of those white people. I like to make that joke about our spice rack. I like to be like, see, we're white people, but we're not those kind of white people. Look how many I have spices, spices we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, I will season my chicken, but also still pee in the swimming pool white person. <laughs> Uh, I think it was Christina. I'm trying to remember what we were talking about, but I asked her if she seasoned something. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I put salt and pepper on it. And I was like, Wasn't I that mean, when we were over on Memorial Day? We were talking about I, something? Because I think I it think got it brought was. up then. Because that happened with me and Val before. So Val is able to laugh about it now after the facts. Because there was something that Val made me at one point where I was like, did you season, did you season this? this? Like, <laughs> right. And Val was like, yeah. And I was like, with what? They're like salt and pepper. And I was like, honey. That's not seasoning. It's not That's- seasoning. That's below the bare minimum. That is below the bare minimum. Bare minimum um, is garlic. That's uh, the bare minimum. Right? Bare minimum. Even for white people. White people Gar- love garlic. Val oh, love feels it. so proud because they have garlic salt and garlic pepper. <laughs> but do we they also have those- garlic seasoning because that's different than garlic salt. We do. We have And we have garlic powder, too. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got all kinds of, we love seasonings, man. I made some chicken tenders recently. I was going to say the other day, but it wasn't the other day. It was probably a couple weeks ago. I mean, <laughs> what does time mean though? Who knows? I know. Right. Was it yesterday? Nothing was it a week ago? I don't know. Right now. Oh my God. 
something happened today and I was like, I remember it like it happened yesterday. And I was like, but it was this morning. It was, <laughs> like, today. <laughs> it was today. Why am I remembering it like it was yesterday? Oh, but my chicken tendies, I'm going to use some, uh, some Goya, like adobo seasoning. Oh, yeah. Like on the, in the breading of the chicken tendies. Mmm. They were fire. They were so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You got to season your shit, y'all. Man, that's what we should talk. We should just have a whole episode talking about seasoning things. About seasoning things. Let's forget um, about these seasons of change we're going through as a country. Girl. Let's talk about seasoning your fucking chicken, guys. Don't wash it. Just season it. I'm not a chicken washer either. You're not supposed to wash it. Then that spreads the raw chicken germs all over your sink. The the bigger problem with people washing their chicken is people don't know how to clean their sink after they've washed the chicken. It's salmonella, right? Isn't that what you get from raw chicken? Yes, salmonella is the one from chicken. (laughs) Sometimes I work, so I'm like, but it's got salmon in the name. I know, you're like, it's got a fish in the title. (laughs) So if it's the chicken of the sea, is it tuna or is it chicken? Like, that's where I'm at with salmon. (laughs) I um, let the extra juice drip off of the chicken. And sometimes I'll pat a chicken dry. I'll pat it down with with paper towels, yeah. But usually, depending on what I'm doing with it, like, sometimes you want the chicken to have the goop. Like, if I'm going to bread it, I want to take that goopy chicken and toss that in the flour because the flour is going to stick to the goop. Mm-hmm. And then from the flour, yeah, I, I go yeah. into the, the milk and egg. Right. There mm-hmm. you go. You understand. Girl, I'm from the I, South. I know. Going to and my then dredging. If you, I know you know. If you want to do it the right way, then you throw it in that brown paper bag with all the seasonings and the flour and you shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. And you call it shake it, bake, and you say you helped. Done. <laughs> that's what the commercial was. I it's helped. shake and bake, and I helped. Oh my God. I helped. <laughs> I always remember. Did she not have an accent? I always remember her having an accent. It's I think shake at the and time bake, it was just I helped. The, that was the normal accent I heard every day, so it didn't right, stand so you, out. Right. So you're to like, me. does she have an accent? That's just how people talk. I was like, this is how we talk. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. Yeah, no, I changed, um, so, you know, me and Sarah, like, look up stuff, and then we talk about it with each other, and I... <laughs> Wait, that's what we've been doing? We that's do research on is. these stories? If you're, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome, that's what happens here, is we get together every week, and we share, uh, we share ghost stories, true crime, we talk about conspiracies, we talk about just supernatural, generally spooky, eerie, and just weird stuff, whatever, whatever we want. Because it's our show. And not yours. And today, apparently, what we're going to talk about is all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I had to change what I was originally going to talk about because I was like, everything is so, like, heavy right now. I want to talk about something that's not as heavy. (laughs) And I thought it it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I thought it was kind of funny. And then the more I was thinking about it, the more I was like, no, it's kind of depressing. And I don't want to talk about that. I'm going to talk about something that's, like, light and funny. So that's That's, what I decided to do. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like that's the one draw side to doing a podcast where we talk about all the fucked up things that have happened in the world and in the past is that, is that when times are rough, it never like, stops. Yeah. <laughs> like it never stops. So when times are rough, like it's hard to make that funny. Like we yeah. usually make it funny. And when, you know, the world's on fire, it's a little less funny. Hey, my world's on fire. How about yours? How about yours? But you know what? That's, That's the way, the way I, like I like it, it. and I never get bored. Never get bored. <laughs> uh, the other day, I was quoting that to Charlie, and he was getting the lyrics all. He was singing it and getting it 
all wrong. So I was like, fuck you. I'm putting on the song How right now. How do you get the lyrics to All Star wrong? Who he doesn't like, know the right words? He's like, words? hey now, you're an all star. Get your, get your thing on. Go, hey. No. Hey now. Break you're up with all-star. him. Like that's all Break, that he I'm can making say. the executive Break decision. You're breaking up with him. <laughs> Obviously it's a joke because I like Charlie. Yeah, no. And I'm that's not saying something because I don't like. I don't She's like. She's hated the people, everyone else that I have dated. <laughs> but to be fair, since I've known you, everyone else you've dated has been trash. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> See. <that's- laughs> Hold on, even Armando. Ar- he was okay. You're right. That's fair. Ar- Armando was okay. I didn't have a problem with Armando. But he's no Charlie. But he is. He's no Charlie. I mean, am I right? Yeah, can no, I you're right. A, can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So, Charlie, you can stay. Because I, I said so. Because Stephanie <laughs> said so. I'm like, this is weird. This is what a normal, healthy relationship feels like when they get along with your friends and your friends is, get along with them. Isn't this it is weird? weird. This I've, is weird. It's weird. I've never dated someone who was as charming as me oh my god <laughs> i'm serious i'm serious it's, or is humble um i you know i i know that i'm <laughs> i try to be a little more humble i try to be a little more modest i'm kidding um, but no what i mean by that is that like so of course val meets my friends and gets along fine with my friends but like the jaffe group right like uh when we were doing lizard like of course, I knew some of those people, but most of them were new to me. So, like, I was just meeting them. And then, like, I worked with them through the rehearsal process. And then Val kind of came in in the, in the last minute as a tech person. And everyone loved Val. To the point where, like, Val is better friends with some people from Lizard than I am. And I'm a little jealous. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I've never, ever experienced that. I've never dated somebody who, like, I felt like people might like the person I was dating more than they like me. I've never had that as a worry yeah. before. It's weird. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, you're talking to that person? Like, I haven't talked to that person since Lizard. And Val's like, oh, yeah, we talk all the time. And I'm like, what? All right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a little jealous. But at the same time, it's really, like, it's cute. Yeah, it's 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 refreshingly nice. I remember somebody that I dated before that I complained about how, like, he didn't really interact with my friends, and he was just kind of there at a party and, like, didn't socialize at all, and I really didn't like it. And Christina was like, I would think that, like, you would want to date somebody like that. Like, you don't want somebody who is, like, you know, like, competing for attention at the party with you. And I was like, yes, I do. Like, it's exhausting to always have to, like, be the life of the party, but then also, like, make sure this person who I love is having a good time when I know that they're not having a good time. And then I have to, like, balance it. And it'd be nice to be like, okay, I can take a step back from this party because my partner, like... They're taking over and people want to talk to them. And I'm like, oh my God, it's really exciting. It's nice. And it's nice to fine. be a little jealous that my partner is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. I'm just like, it's surprising. On our tangent to talk about how wonderful our partners are. I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's really nice. So like everyone gets along with Charlie. And I get along with all of Charlie's friends. Right. And he's been like amazing throughout this whole me losing my job thing like so stupidly supportive and like positive and 
I told him that. I was like, I've never, I've never had a partner like that. Normally they would be like, that really sucks. What are you going to do? Why are you still so sad about it? Oh my God. Why don't you fix your attitude? It's true. That's what I would get. That is what the people you date would be like. (laughs) But not anymore. Not anymore. Not all white people. (laughs) Just (laughs) most. (laughs) Just most Oh, the tea. Ooh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Pinky up, girl. Pinky up with that sip. Ah, it's because this glass is so big because it ain't tea. It's vodka cranberry. <laughs> this is the most disgusting ASMR sound. <laughs> the-, <laughs> the sipping. The sipping sound. <laughs> I hate I love it. it. Anyways, on that note, if we want to get into something, <laughs> yeah, let's I don't know do where it. It's going. Let's spill some tea on some ghosts. Sarah, Stephanie, Leslie, Leslie. Y'all, y'all ready, ready to talk, talk about, about some, some ghosts? ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Did we decide I was going first? Sure, take it okay. away. Okay. <laughs> Hit me with it. Okay, I'm here today, Sarah, to talk to you. As opposed to being here yesterday? Where are we going with this? <laughs> well, I'm here today at my own house, because we're not recording at the studio right now, which is Mary Angela's house. I'm here today. Thank the Lord. Jesus is still king. Oh, girl, he is. <laughs> so, um, I'm here to talk about uh, the Turk, also known as the Mechanical Turk. Uh, or automaton chess player. Oh, I love automatons. The 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 old school um, robots. Yes, Basically, and they could like draw. They would draw and write certain things on their well, own. Well, they had different jobs, but this particular automaton, right, was built as a perfect chess playing machine, okay? So automatons, uh, to clarify, like, yes, I always think, I'm like, isn't that just an old-timey robot? Isn't that what an automaton is? Um, An automaton is a relatively self-operating machine or a machine. It's a transformer, right? (laughs) Decepticon, automaton. It's an ottoman, right? Is it an ottoman? (laughs) Yes, it's an ottoman. (laughs) And we have one that's, it's an ottoman that transforms into a little storage container, which is also shaped like an ottoman. (laughs) Automaton. Um, What I mean is it's an ottoman that you can open the top and put stuff in and then close it and it's still an ottoman. But it plays a mean game of chess. It sure do. We call it the Turk. So <laughs> that's not actually our Ottoman, even though it's, that's why they call it the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> okay. So if you're not familiar with the term automaton, it's a relatively self-operating machine or it's a machine or a control mechanism that's designed to automatically follow a predetermined sequence of operations or respond to predetermined instructions. Um, so that's not to be confused with animatronics or electronics because automatons were not electronic. So um, there's right, like a they little... run on just like um, what there's are usually called some sort gears. of gears right usually some sort of like clockwork mechanism that keeps them like you start it and it'll just keep going until you stop it um 
And a clock is a pretty good example of one as well. Right. Because it's, you don't, like, you wind up a clock, but it's got these little gears, and then it just goes by itself. Nowadays, we have batteries in them. Um, But clocks have been around for a long time. Would a clock be considered an uh, automaton? I like to consider it an automaton. Um, (laughs) Probably more closer related to um, an animatronic. But animatronics are thought of more like characters. Like animatronics are like are like robots yeah. that are like people. Like yeah. um like the like the band at Chuck E. Cheese. Like those are animatronics. Rest in peace. They took those away. Those things of our nightmares. Oh, I was gonna say because they're terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, um so this was a big deal, right? Because uh, autom- automatons don't think for themselves. It's not supposed to be able to, like, react to, to like, move and stuff, right? Um, automatons, like, you just start the reaction and then it keeps doing the thing. So in order for it to play chess, right, it has to be able to wait for a person to make a move and then think what the next move would be. So there's more to it than that. Um, so it never starts the move. Someone else has to start the move for this one, for the Turk to work. Well... The person starting the move is the person playing chess against it, right? That's what mm-hmm. would get it started, in theory. But, like, the so, Turk doesn't start it. Um, well, and it's called the Turk because it was, like, a, it, it was supposedly the person who made it said that it was from, like, a, a Turkish design. And later versions of it would be built with, like, this kind of, like, racist, like, Turkish man. Like, a dude with, like, a turban who mm-hmm. is, like... Who looks kind of like Zoltar, like the little, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So it was like that kind of looking, like, robot dude on it. Uh, so it, pl- I was trying to find a list of, like, more famous people who, like, played against it. Because lots of famous people lost to the Turk, including Napoleon Bonaparte and Benjamin Yeah, that Franklin. little idiot. Oh, <laughs> it was constructed and unveiled, I guess I should say the timing, right? It was in 1770 by Wolfgang von Kempelen, who <laughs> was Hungarian, and it was to impress Empress Maria Theresa of Austria. The mechanism appeared to be able to play a strong chess game against a human opponent, as well as perform the knight's tour, which is a puzzle that requires the player to move a knight to occupy every square of the chessboard exactly one time. Huh. And he was able to do that as well. Edgar Allan Poe, uh, I can't remember if it said that he actually played it, or I think he saw it when he was, like, a young man. And he was like, that's bullshit. Like, that's not a robot. I don't know what's making it happen, but, like, I don't buy it. Like, What did he think it was? Um, the devil. He just said, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, all I found about it was him saying it was some sort of, like, it was, a, it was a hoax. Like, he was like, I call bullshit on this. Like. Thinking that it can't, like, maybe it can play, but it can't actually win to the degree that it's boasted to win. So, <laughs> there's a couple of things that came up. Edgar Allan Poe versus the Turk. Versus the Turk. I'd watch that movie. Like many others, Poe was certain the machine couldn't be playing under its own power. Nothing of a similar nature has ever been seen in this city that will bear the smallest comparison to it. People were like... <laughs> he, uh, let's see. After due consideration, Poe believed that a small man actually crawled into the body of the Turk and Stop. operated from within. Stop! Although the author was... <laughs> 
He thought he thought it was a little C three PO situation, or not C three R two D two situation, where there was a little man inside that robot the whole time. So it's funny you should say that because first you said C three PO, right? Like he I got that like, wrong. No, he but was a full grown man. But it's an important distinction, right? Because he was like, there's somebody in the Turk. There's somebody in the little dude that's controlling the pieces, and that's how it works, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to find exactly how I want to word this next part. So while many books and articles were written during the Turk's life about how it worked, most were inaccurate, drawing incorrect inferences from external observation. It was not until Dr. Silas Mitchell's series of articles for the Chess Monthly that the secret was fully revealed. Uh, (laughs) Mitchell, son of the final private owner of the Turk, wrote that no secret was ever kept as the Turks has been. Guessed at, in part, many times, now, no one of the several explanations ever solved this amusing puzzle, as the Turk, the actual original Turk, was lost in a fire at the time of the publication. Silas Mitchell felt that there were no longer any reasons for concealing from numer- from the amateurs of chess the solution to the ancient enigma. You ready for it, Sarah? I'm so ready. Hit me with it. Please tell me it was like a gerbil in there or something. It was a person inside the box. <laughs> Not inside the big person. So, and it had been operated by a number of chess masters of the time. And they all won against all these other people? Most of the time. Like, like 80% of the time, it won. So it's a little dude sitting in a box underneath this automaton, I used air quotes, pulling his little arms like a, a marionette? Uh, so it was a little more complicated than that, but, but you're not way far off. So it was an R2-D2 situation. Yes. So that's why I was like, it's funny that you mix up the two because it wasn't a person in the person one. There was a person inside the box one. So it was more of an R2-D2 situation than say a C-3PO situation, which is why I was like, no, interesting that you should say that. Um... So, and the way the machine was set up was you saw, like, a lot of gears, but basically it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like, there were, there were mirrors, and there were literal mirrors, um, as well as, like, moving gears and stuff that people could see. And then there would be a person inside it who, uh, who ran the whole thing. So, he, um... Uh, Kempelin, the guy who made it, was inspired to build the Turk following his attendance at the court of Maria Theresa of Austria, where Francois Pelletier was a perform it was performing an illusion act. An exchange afterward resulted in Kempelin promising to return to the palace with an invention that would top all of the illusions that he had seen. The result of the challenge was the automaton chess player, known in modern times as the Turk. The machine consisted of a life-size model of a human head and torso with black beard and gray eyes dressed in Ottoman robes and a turban, the traditional costume, according to the journalist and author Tom Standage, um, and, and much like the Zoltar machine. The, uh, in his left arm, he held a long Ottoman smoking pipe while at rest, while its right lay on top of the large cabinet that measured about three and a half feet, uh, so three and a half feet long. It was two feet wide and then two and a half feet high. <laughs> yes. What? So, so did they only... only have dwarves in there? No. 
Um, depending on where they could put it, um, if they were able to put it in a spot where there was, like, a hole under it, so the person was, like, sitting in the hole and just, like, their upper body was, like, in the machine. Um, because, yes, it's a very small machine. Because you remember Um, when I worked at Zombie, you remember those boxes we used to put the zombies in beforehand? I can, all I can think of is that tiny box that we had for the second room where you're literally laying down like, with your arms up to your chest just waiting for someone to release you. Like, I can't imagine being in there being like, now I have to play chess. Play chess. And I have to win. So, three and a half feet by two feet by two and a half feet. Placed on top of the cabinet was a chessboard, which measured 18 inches square. The front of the cabinet consisted of three doors, an opening, and a drawer, which could be opened to reveal um, the... Like cabinetry, like all the the works inside. The gears and smoke and mirrors. Um, And then the chest set was in the drawer. The interior of the machine was very complicated and designed to mislead those who observed it. When opened on the left, the front doors of the cabinet exposed a number of gears and cogs similar to clockwork. The section was designed that if the back doors of the cabinet were open at the same time, one could see through the machine. The other side of the cabinet did not house machinery. Instead, it contained a red cushion and some removable parts, as well as brass structures. This area was also designed to provide a clear vision through the machine. Underneath the robes of the Ottoman model, two other doors were hidden. These also exposed clockwork machinery and provided a similarly unobstructed view through the machine. The design allowed the presenter of the machine to open every available door to the public to maintain the illusion. Neither the clockwork visible to the left side of the machine nor the drawer that housed the chest set extended fully to the rear of the cabinet. They instead only went a third of the way. A sliding seat was also installed, allowing the operator inside to slide from place to place and thus evade observation as the presenter opened the various doors. The sliding of the seat caused dummy machinery to slide into its place to further conceal the person inside the cabinet. What the fuck? This is some high-level Elon Musk technology it's right crazy, here. Right? <laughs> what? The chessboard on the top of the cabinet was thin enough to allow for a magnetic linkage. Magnet, of course. Each piece in the chess set had a small, strong magnet attached to its base. When they were placed on the board, the pieces would attract a magnet attached to a string under the specific places on the board. This allowed the operator inside the machine to see which pieces moved where across the chessboard. The bottom of the chessboard had corresponding numbers, 1 through 64, allowing the operator to see which places on the board were affected by a player's move. The internal magnets were positioned in a way that outside magnetic forces did not influence them, and Kempelin would often allow a large magnet to sit at the side of the board in an attempt to show that the machine was not influenced by magnetism. As wow. a further, Right? It's so well thought out, too, for the 1700s. Right? Yes. 1770 is when the machine came out. Wow. As a further means of misdirection, the Turk came with a small wooden coffin-like box that the presenter would place on top of the cabinet. While uh, Matzel, who was a later owner of the machine, did, did not use the box, Kemplin often peered into the box during play, suggesting that the box controlled some aspect of the machine. The box was believed by some to have supernatural power. Karl Gottlieb von Windeschütz von Windisch, 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 he wrote in his 1784 book, Inanimate Reason, that one old lady in particular who had not forgotten the tale she'd been told in her youth 
went and hid herself in a window seat as distant as she could from the evil spirit which she firmly believed possessed the machine. The interior also contained a pegboard chessboard connected to a pantograph-style series of levers that controlled the model's left arm. The metal pointer on the pantograph moved over the interior chessboard and would simultaneously move the arm of the Turk over the chessboard on the cabinet. The range of motion allowed the operator to move the Turk's arm up and down, and turning the lever would open and close the Turk's hand, allowing it to grasp the pieces on the board. All of this made visible to the operator by using a simple candle, which had a ventilation system through the model. Other parts of the machinery allowed for clockwork-type sound to be played when the Turk made a move, further adding to the machinery illusion and for the Turk to make various facial expressions. A voice box was added following the Turk's acquisition by Maltzel, allowing the machine to say, Echek! Which is French for check <laughs> during the matches. Echek! That's how you say check in, in French. Echek! Echek! An sure. operator inside... I would have thought that was Italian, but that's French. An operator inside the machine also had tools to assist in communicating with the presenter outside. Two brass discs equipped with numbers were positioned opposite each other on the inside and outside of the cabinet. A rod could rotate the discs to the desired number, which acted as a code between the two. Um, he toured all over Europe with this machine. Uh, it's It switched hands a couple times. like People sold it between each other. Uh, but the, the Turks' final game was in Paris against Benjamin Franklin, who was serving wow. as an ambassador to France from the United States. Franklin reportedly enjoyed the game with the Turk and was interested in the machine for the rest of his life. Keeping a copy of Philip Thickness, Philip Thickness's book, The Speaking Figure and the Automaton Chess Player, exposed and detected in his personal library. Following his tour of Paris, Kempelen moved the Turk to London, where it was exhibited daily for five shillings. Uh, Thickness, known in his time as a skeptic, sought out the Turk in an attempt to expose the inner workings of the machine. While he respected Kempelen as a very ingenious man, he asserted that the Turk was an elaborate hoax with a small child inside the machine, describing the machine as a complicated piece of clockwork, which is nothing more than one of many other ingenious devices to misguide and delude the observers. Well, jokes on him, it wasn't a small child, it was a grown-ass man. (laughs) <laughs> it was a grown-ass man. So, you were wrong. Uh, upon the return of the ship on which Motzel died, his various machines, including the Turk, fell into the hands of a friend of Motzel's, the, business, uh, the businessman John Ole. He attempted to auction off the Turk, but owing to low bidding, ultimately bought it himself for $400. That's Only, it? That's it. Did it come with the man inside? <laughs> no, it came Damn. with the the fake brown man attached. Only the when fake John... brown man attached. That's what I said. That's what's on it. The fake brown man is attached to it. That's why they call it the Turk. Only when John Kearsley Mitchell from Philadelphia, Edgar Allan Poe's personal physician and an admirer of the Turk, approached Old, did the Turk change hands again. Mitchell formed a restoration club and went about the business of repairing the Turk for public appearances, completing the restoration in 1840. 
As interest in the Turk outgrew its location, Mitchell and his club chose to donate the machine to the Chinese Museum of Charles Wilson Peel. While the Turk still occasionally gave performances, it was eventually relegated to the corners of the museum and forgotten about until the 5th of July in 1854, when a fire that started at the National Theater in Philadelphia reached the museum and destroyed the Turk. Way to go, Philly. Mitchell believed he had heard through the struggling flames the last words of our departed friend, the sternly whispered, oft-repeated syllables, Itchick! 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 He's just coughing in the flames. Itchick! Itchick! So... Leave it to Philly to burn that thing to the ground. Oh, girl! Girl! Philly has, we've talked about this from We burned a whole fort to the ground. Right, exactly. Like, Philly has a long history of burning shit down. We burned that fort to the ground. We burned that automaton to the ground. When that hitchhiking hitchhiking robot came through, we fucked that shit up. You mean the Turk or Hitchbot? Hitchbot, (laughs) both. Philly does not take kindly to robots pretending to be people. Someone punched a police horse in the face when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Like, what did we say in episode, what was it, five? Welcome to Philly. Philly, y'all. Oh, my gosh. And now, at least the the riots now are for things that make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the way the police are acting doesn't. But go hit that Target. I don't give a fuck about Target. Gosh. Target, the CEO of Target was like, have at it, y'all. Go for it. He was like, like, I'm from Philly. Welcome we're to Philly. We're with you. I get it. <laughs> She's like, I, I know, we have insurance. I get it. Go crazy. So that's the the Turk. That's or the Turk. The automaton chess player. What's funny is I think the first automaton I ever saw in person was at the Franklin Museum in Philly, and usually they have their automaton on display. The last time I was there, it wasn't on display, but. Those little suckers are weird little mannequin-looking sons of bitches. Like, it's it's very interesting, and, like, you watch them. The ones that are real automatons and not just a man in a box underneath, but the ones that are, like, set to write things or draw things. It's just very interesting to watch that kind of clockwork robot and realize that that was made in the 1700s, 1800s. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. And I, even reading about it, I was like, okay, even with it just being a person inside, that's still super impressive and really cool. The fact that they could have it to where, like, okay, I'm going to open this side door and you this move side, to the left. Nothing to and see here. Nothing to see here. You're looking over here. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Just a robot. A checker. Yeah. Give us your money. Yeah. I like that. That was light. Right? That was a light, fun, historic s- story. Right? I thought so. It was a lot lighter than what I was going to talk about before, so I'm glad I changed topics. I want to know what you were going to talk about before, but I know it'll show up in a pre- in a Right. It'll episode, come up later so. when things are a little less hectic. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I um, looked through my list of what to talk about, and I was like, well, anything true crime and murder related is off the table right now. So, right? Yeah, no. I was like, this is this is dark. So, no promo this week, right? Nope, no promo this week. Then Sarah, what are you talking about this week? <gasps> I'm talking about a good old fashioned ghost story. Oh, good! I was yes, hoping you were. I was girl, hoping I knew. you were. 
I was like, you, I'm not. You knew I needed a ghost story this I week. I was like, I'm you not talking it. about true crime. I cannot do it. So you know right. what I did? Right? You're with me. I had a true crime story. And I was like, no, it's not. It's too much for true crime this week. And I've been doing some heavy true. I've been doing a lot of parent murder lately, I realized. There's been a lot of parent murder in my stories. So I'm going to take a step back from that. And I'm going to talk about a Sarah, ghost story. Sarah, something on your mind? <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't even tell you the latest thing about my mom. I can't talk about it oh on here. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> no, we'll get into that. We'll get Remind into me that. at the end of the episode. Okay. I will. Oh my god! I will. So, what I'm talking about this week is the Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, California. Okay. And I got this from a good old fashioned ghost adventures. Um, Love it. So, Santa Paula, California, the Glen Tavern Inn was established in 1911. And it was built during the big oil boom, gold rush, oil rush in California. But then, like most other businesses, it soon fell victim to prohibition. So oh, the yes, third, did. yep. So the third floor of the inn was turned into a speakeasy, brothel, and gambling space. So you had the third floor that held all of those fun things. But because of all the illegal activity. Most of it is undocumented. Um, so all the stories from the past have really been passed along verbally between people in the town, etc. Um, so the two stories that are consistently told about the inn and its history and its subsequent ghosts. First one is told about a cowboy. And the cowboy was gambling on the third floor. And unfortunately pissed someone off and made someone think that they had been taken for with their money. So when the cowboy went back to his room for the night in room 307, he was followed by that person who was not very happy with losing to him in gambling. And he was subsequently shot in the head twice. This story was backed up to a degree. Again, all of this is to a degree. This story was backed up because apparently later, years later, when they were doing remodeling, they found a cowboy hat in between the walls of the room and the cowboy hat had two bullet holes in it and blood stains. Now, the cowboy hat's whereabouts are unknown, but apparently our cowboy friend is still known to hang around 307 at the inn. So his hat's gone, but he ain't gone. Um, so he's no, seen, he he's seen in the room. He's seen, sometimes people have seen him as a full body apparition, not a full. Those are the best kind. Huh? That, oh yeah. Those it's are the best so kind. rare. It's so rare when you get a full body apparition. So people apparently see him as a full body apparition, still hazy and see-through, but they see him, they say that he's tall and thin and he has a white button down shirt. Um, he's apparently been captured in a few pictures, according to people who have gone through, and he's seen to walk through the walls when you see him, and occasionally he's said to have been spotted in the hotel lobby. Now, again, the hotel is three floors, and I think as of, I don't think they've remodeled the capacity for, like, what rooms are there, so I think there's still 36 rooms, and there's always been 36 rooms that you can book in this inn. Mm-hmm. So... The two apparitions that are mainly known the most and the most haunted room in the inn is 307, which is where our cowboy was shot. And then someone else was murdered in that room. And again, during the time of Prohibition, it's rumored that in the room 307, there was a prostitute who was murdered after she did her job and she was beheaded and her body was left in the closet for a maid to find. Oh my gosh. 
and she is still an entity who's seen in that room. She apparently appears as a white mist, and housekeepers who work there as of the Ghost Adventures episode still claim that they'll go in to go turn the room over, and they will see a white mist either outside the closet door, or they'll see it at the foot of the bed. People who stay the night in that room claim to hear thumping, banging noises from the closet, um, and they also claim to see a white mist and sometimes hear intan like intangible voices that they say sounds like a woman's voice, but you can't make out what she's saying. You can't hear her, but you can tell she and you don't know what she's saying, but you can tell she's a lady. But you it's know that's a lady. lady. <laughs> definitely a lady. She's like kind of whiny, little naggy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, and then another unfortunate death on the property was more recently, um, I believe they said in 2011, and this of course has been documented, where a visitor came in and on the second floor, they hung themselves in their room. They hung themselves in their closet, in their room. So this hotel has not been a stranger to death, but those are the main stories that we've heard surrounding deaths that have happened at the hotel. Other spirits... It wouldn't be a haunted hotel if you didn't have some fucking kids running around. Because I feel like every time I talk about a haunted hotel, there's always fucking kids. There's always kid ghosts. Do you remember that one? I'm blanking on the name of it. But it's the hotel that apparently had the little girl who fell from the second floor. And so now as a ghost, she'll just like fall from the second floor and freak people out. Oh, God. Don't you remember that story? (laughs) Where they're like, I just saw a girl fall from the second floor balcony and people will call the front desk and the front desk is like, no, it's not a real kid. So here's another hotel that's got like, she playing. These kids, they're bored. They in quarantine for forever. Forever for like a lifetime. Since 1911, at least. Um, So the Glen Tavern Inn's got its own kid ghosts. I couldn't find, like, where the kid ghosts are from, but there's kid ghosts. So a few stories I found was in room 204, so on the second floor, there was a weekend when they had rented out the first floor to a quinceanera party, and they had rented out, like, the whole block of rooms, and that party was using their, they have, like, an area where they do weddings and events and things like that. So they were using that area for the party, and then the quinceanera party had booked out the whole first floor. But, of course, second floor was still open, so there was an elderly couple who came out one evening from their room in 204, and they went out to the concierge, and they asked for some help because there was a child who was obviously missing and lost from the quinceanera party that was hiding in their room, and she was just playing, and they were trying to get her out, but she wouldn't go. And so they needed help getting this kid from the quinceanera party out of their room. And as they were leading the concierge upstairs, they were like, really, you need to look for her. Like she's under, she keeps hiding under the bed and like playing around under the bed and wanting to get out. And uh, obviously when the concierge, what am I saying? I'm mixing up quinceanera and concierge. got up there. Quinceanerge. Uh, so when they went and talked to that concierge, um, <laughs> there, there was no kid in the room. That's, that's what that buildup was for. Well, obviously. <laughs> Cause she fell, she fell out the window. There ain't no kid there. She fell off the balcony, second floor. She went to go join the party. Anyways, yeah. there was no kid. Uh, people, <laughs> people report 
uh, when they stay the night there, they report hearing children running up and down the halls and hearing kids knocking on different bedroom or like different room doors. So just ding dong ditching up and down the hall all night. And of course, there are no children there. Of course. Um, there's one instance that got brought up on Ghost Adventures and I maybe could find the picture online. I have not researched that part. I can look up and see. But they were apparently hosting a wedding in that event room again at the inn. And it was a Day of the Dead themed wedding. And as people were taking pictures, the couple who were exchanging their vows behind them was a mirror. And people were taking pictures and they claimed to have caught the image of a little girl standing between the couple in the reflection on the mirror above them. Now they showed it on Ghost Hunters and there is a chance that it's real and there's also a chance that it could be debunked and that the picture that you're seeing, the image you're seeing in the mirror is just a refraction of the pattern from the ground. And because we've heard about little girl or little kid spirits being in the hotel, you're of course going to want to see that image in the picture. Take it as you will. That's also there. There's also been other full body apparitions other than just our cowboy friend. And the current general manager tells a tale of when she had just started working there she was in run one room on the corner reaching up to file some things in a file cabinet and out of the corner of her eye she saw a woman walk into the room to her right she turned over to the right it was a full body full apparition of a woman not see-through looked to be completely um tangible she said the woman looked at her turned around and walked into the wall and disappeared fuck that she described the moment as uh, feeling that. as though she was just frozen in place. She was frozen yeah. in time, frozen in place, just watching this woman walk in and see her and turn around and walk away into the wall, into nothing. Fuck that. Uh, another person who has come to visit and stayed, it was a tenant um, who stayed a few nights in the hotel. He told the story of going to walk into his hotel room and he opened the door and he walked in upon what, we would call a residual haunting. So he walked in to see what looked like a woman bending over the bed, taking care of someone in the bed like a nurse, right? But it was a complete, you know, you can't see through it, feels weird, but you can tell that that's from the past. And he said it just felt like he was walking into a frozen moment in time. And it was just this residual haunting. They didn't acknowledge him. He closed the door. He walked out. And then when he walked back in moments later, they were gone. gone. Mm -hmm. because the one thing about the first haunting seemed to be intelligent like that full body woman apparition seemed to walk in look at the general manager and then choose to leave whereas this other apparition was residual yeah which means residual hauntings we typically uh describe them as just being sort of a snapshot of history that's just sort of replaying over and over and they don't know that you're there um they're not aware of that So one thing that was interesting that happened during the Ghost Adventures episode is, of course, as we all know, Zach Bagans, Zach Baggins, however the fuck you say his last name, Zach Douchebaggery. Zach Baggins. Zach Douchebaggins. He likes to put his team in these situations and places on their own and leave them there. So he went in the night before that they were set to investigate, and he told his crew member, Billy, yo, Billy, you going to go and you're going to stay in room 307 by yourself. And if you experience any shit, then like we can corroborate that there's shit in that room. You about to get pumped. You about to get pumped. You about to get ghosted. 
but not like you would think. Not like you're used to. Um, so anyways, Zach throws Billy in there. Billy stays the night in room 307, which again is our dead cowboy beheaded prostitute room. So that room is down to party. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's using the ovulus, which we've talked about before, but the ovulus is um, a device that already has sort of a generated dictionary of words. And apparently a spirit can tap in and use the ovulus to just say whatever word they want. That's what they say. So while he's using the ovulus, it says a whole bunch of words. And then at some point in the night, it says blow. And then it says gentle. And then after it says blow and gentle, Billy twitches. And he's like, I just had a really weird like muscle spasm in my thigh. And then as soon as he says that like into the camera, the ovulus goes thigh and says thigh and then Billy asks, did you just touch my thigh? And the ovulus goes, right. <sighs> and then later while he's sleeping in the room, the audio does capture a loud bang come from the closet area. No. So he experienced that in room 307. Um, there's disembodied voices are heard coming from the hallway or other things that people have said amongst other activity. Um, hearing the kids running around, etc. But 307 seems to be the most active room of the hotel. So today, the inn still is in business, and people, you can get on TripAdvisor and look at reviews. Um, you can request to stay in room 307 or any of the other rooms that have said to have activity. You can be like, that's the room I want to stay in. I want to stay with the ghosts. And it's not that expensive either. I feel like the Van Zant house was more expensive than this place. It's like a hundred bucks a night. It's not bad. Right? But that's for like a room, right? The visit, for the, the room. The Van Zant house is a whole house. The Van Zant house is a whole house, but it for also has two a two night, night minimum. I yep. know. So anyways, um, people have left their personal haunted experiences on TripAdvisor. So if you want oh, to have fun... Go down that rabbit hole. I did. There's only a few of them, but they're fun to read. And it's yeah. it's people who said, I, I slept in room, me and my boyfriend stayed the night in room 307. And I fell asleep and my boyfriend heard banging from the closet for 30 minutes straight. And like all this other stuff. It's real funny. I like it. But unfortunately, also, if you read the reviews on TripAdvisor and you go by most recent, it seems like nowadays the inn is not doing as well. And it is in need of some repairs. And... Um, who knows what Corona might have done to it. So maybe the ghosts have taken over. Maybe they have. Who knows? But uh, the episode of Ghost Adventures is really fun. They do like a seance too with an Irish medium named Patrick uh, who reads tarot cards. And it's a really fun episode. It's in season 10. And it's the Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, California. And it's haunted as fuck by a prostitute with no head and a cowboy who swindled someone at gambling. So and like, some kids, for some reason. a good time, man. They fucking chill. They're fucking partying, dude. They know what's up. They're like, get these kids out of here. It's time to party. I'm into it. I'm down let's, with the cult so far. Let's touch this guy's thigh. Ooh, touched it. Right? Done. <laughs> Wasn't that the second that you did? You touched my thigh. Did you touch my thigh? Right? Did you like that? Right? Right? That sounds like me as a ghost. Right? Regret. 
<laughs> she was a human too. Regret. <laughs> right? Regret. Woof. We need some fan art of regret. Is what we need yeah. as we're working. Oh, I haven't even announced the new stickers. I haven't put them on the website. Ooh. I was thinking about getting more stickers before we announced new stickers, like a sticker pack. Oh my gosh, I love it. I gotta see how much money we have. Anyways. Just uh, be on the be on the lookout, y'all. There's gonna be some new stickers. Yeah, there's gonna be new merch. I don't know how I'm gonna edit this. I'll figure it out. There's gonna be new merch. We got new merch coming. Keep I'm your so eyes excited. open. Yeah, I'll, and we're gonna make more merch. More merch. More merch. More merch. Y'all. We're gonna make yeah, make me some people. regret merch. That's what I was talking about. Regret. Merch. Oh my god, I have an idea of what I'm gonna do. I already, regret. I have an idea for two more things I want to do. I so. love that. I can't I'll wait to see it. it. All right. So we got well, more fun stuff coming for y'all because this is my only job right now. <laughs> So if you want to support Sarah, <laughs> please, I'm a charity case. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Um, Things are way you worse. You can find her on Seeking Arrangement. And oh my she's... God. It's not under Sarah. Don't look for Sarah. It's not under Sarah. We, I don't think we ever shared what it was, right? Because it was a whole big no, secret and she has a it's a secret. Name. It's yep. a secret. But, you know, look out for her. She's on it's there. A, it's a seeking secret. It's a secret. It already is like, yeah, seeking regret. Whatever. I'm sorry. I regret this, this where this conversation is so, going. So, if you guys want to support our show, of course, the best way you can do that is by buying merch from deadtimestories.com or by subscribing to our Patreon, which we have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. Check it out. Of course, we also know that it's hard times financially for a lot of people right now with Corona. So the best non-financial way that's totally free that you can support our show is to give us a five-star review on iTunes and talk about how great we are on Please. iTunes. Talk about it on, on Facebook. Talk about it with all your friends. Just talk about how good our show is in general. But if you leave a five-star review on iTunes and like an actual review with words, not just give it five stars, you will help the show immensely. Immensely. Like you have no idea. But you can also email Sarah at deadtimestories at gmail.com. Yeah, tell me how sorry you feel for me. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Zach, tell her how sorry you feel for her. Zach, help me feel better. I'm just kidding. Oh, I need to Zach give a shout out. you. I, he will. Thank you, Zach. I also yeah. need to give a shout out to our original OG number one spot, your sister, Gail Marie, because she emailed us a happy anniversary for our two year anniversary. Aww. Like on the date that we released last year. Yeah, she did. And sent a really nice email, and she's like, I understand that I'm no longer in that number one spot because of Christina and Mary Angela. And I was like, I don't know if I would say that, but, like, you originated the spot. See, it's funny you say that because my brother had to call. Well, he texted me first, and when I didn't respond, he had to call me to tell me that he never argued that he was in that number one spot. And I'm like, you did, but that's okay. And he understands that he has no longer held that spot, but he argued that he's the number one spot of me in real life. And he said, I know, right? Come on. Um, You're like, I'm sorry, but Xander exists, so bye-bye. And he said that um, he never argued that he was, like, a bigger fan, but just that he was there from the very beginning, and my sister was late to the game. (laughs) That is like sibling rivalry in real time. Girl, the Curtisons, like, it's funny because, like, we're all funny, but, like, we don't play. Like, for people who are funny, we're not playing. Like, we're being serious. This isn't a joke. This is this for is real. The, the Kernison, um, 
like, seal says, like, is this a fucking game to you? (laughs) (laughs) And at the bottom in tiny letters, it just says, no. No, it's on a scroll. Like, a scroll across the the coat of arms. (laughs) Is this a fucking game to you? you. I like that. So support our show uh, and support my siblings. I don't know what they're doing. Support them. They're emailing us happy anniversary, so thank my you. My sister is. My brother's texting me, giving me shit. That's what he does. Yeah, so. okay. Exactly. I mean, so you, know, you I, can. You don't even have to edit this out. He knows who he is. Phil. <laughs> I'm surprised Phil, he's not texting you right now. He's not Phil right anymore. Now. He's Philip. He's Philip no, now, I, remember? I, no, and I feel like I remember telling you that I will not call him that. <laughs> Uh, all right Sorry, everybody <laughs> thanks everyone else thank you so much for supporting our show you guys even just listening to us we appreciate it but also like write us reviews and give us money yeah write us reviews and give us money but we also just appreciate you guys being you and you listening know, to our two-star content miley like whoever you be it's cool i we apparently still have people finding us i got an email today from someone who just started listening I want I to talk about it's her, crazy. but it's going to be a while till she catches up. So. I know, until she even hears it. So we'll figure out what happens if she does what you tell people, which is start at the beginning. Yes, she did. She started at the beginning. Good for her. Because she's, she's like, like I love it when you guys it. ask for ghost dick pics. And I'm like, oh, girl, that's long Oh, that falls gone. off. <laughs> <laughs> Though we'll we would back. still like one if you guys, I know we're all bored in quarantine. Send us those corn yes. dicks. Oh, my God. Yes. You're all in quarantine right now. We need to bring back the ghost dick pic. That's what so, I was saying. Bring back so, the ghost dicks. Bring back the ghost dicks. Bring back the ghost dicks. If you didn't start at the beginning, or if it's just been a long time, so we haven't talked about it in a while um one of the things that we talk about or used to talk about was asking for ghost dick pics so we would love 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 pictures of your dicks dressed up as ghosts don't just send us a picture of your dick but if you put a little tissue on it with a with a face preferably googly eyes we've never ever gotten one with googly eyes we got the, and- but we did get the tissue with the face we did get the tissue with the face and we got the, the- we got a present we got a present, and that was pretty hilarious, too. So, um, your genitalia, it could be a puss, as long as there's a tissue over it with a face on it. Yeah, send us, send us, send us a ghost, ghost genitalia. Ghost genitalia. Your genitalia dressed up as a ghost and send it to us. We will, oh my god, we love it. It's like our favorite. We, we've only gotten two ever, and... We want more. We want more. <laughs> we want more ghost dick pics. It's not enough. It's not enough. Um, that's as good a place to end it as any, I guess. This episode has has gone in so many different... This is going to be a bitch to edit. This has gone in so many different places. Take a listen. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm Stephanie. And I quit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you are. Who are you? I'm Sarah. That's right. And I'm is- Sarah. <laughs> and, and this, this has been... Dead, Dead Time Stories. stories. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 